It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer, branch manager of First Community Mortgage. Rick, uh, we don't have a lot of college football this week. A couple of teams with buys, so when we get to our gambling segment, not a lot to talk about. We may be talking about in retrospect of UC and, and Ohio State, but we're getting that, that time of year. We're starting to get buys in the NFL. This is the first buy weekend for teams there, and we're getting buys in college football. And quite frankly, it sucks. Yeah, although, I mean, locally, it's not fun because a couple of our teams aren't playing with the Bearcats and the Buckeyes, but nationally, this is a great week of college football. So it is. It you can't is. be You're too right. upset about that. No, that's a good point. It is a great week. All right, Skinny. But first, before we get to the college football segment, let's talk a little bit about the Bengals. They dropped a frustrating one on Sunday night football to the Ravens 1917 in Baltimore. They'll take a two and three record into Sunday's game against the Saints at 1 p.m. The narrative all week following Sunday night's game has been Zach Taylor stinks as a play caller and needs to relinquish those duties. We talked on our Bengals recap podcast Sunday night about why that will never happen. So I'll ask you this, Skinny. What can the Bengals do to get back to where they were at the end of last year as an offense? I'm hoping that they saw some of that. And I'm going to point a little finger at Joe Burrow here a little bit, too. And I thought he was pretty honest yesterday in an answer he gave. You know, if if you take out the one interception that that Burrow threw in the second half, that was one of their final five drives. In their other four drives, Rick, um, the two at the end of the first half, and then the other two in the second half, they moved the ball at will. Now, the one obviously ended with the with the goal line gaffes that I dissected pretty liberally in a, in a column on Tuesday, and in, in talking with a bunch of different people, including Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, and Zach had his press conference. Um, but I think you saw a little bit of that with Joe taking quicker checkdown stuff, with with um, with him working the middle of the field a little bit more, with then running the shotgun runs that started to, to, to produce some things. I think they found a little formula, and, and I think Joe, and he was asked specifically about getting to checkdowns quicker, and he said, yeah, I have to do that. I have to take those, those checkdowns quick, give the back a chance to turn four yards into eight yards. And I think that there's been a little stubbornness to, to not take maybe those, because you hear, why aren't they working in the middle of the field? Well, you're assuming the play design isn't into the middle of the field, and he's just not taking it. And it seems like, to me, he has not taken that easy throw. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that he just needs to take some easy throws. I know that's not his DNA, right? He wants to hit home runs, and I, I appreciate him for that, and he's really good at it. But even Joe on Sunday after the game admitted, they're not letting us get down the field. Well, okay, then let's adjust to that. And then once you do start softening them up, and you start to run the ball better out of the shotgun, and you start to take those checkdowns, then defenses will have to adjust back to you, and then you can take your shots down the field. Yeah, I I go back and forth on that to some extent. Like, hearing Joe say there's just nothing downfield if defenses are going to play us like they did, I, I don't like hearing that. I, I The Bengals aren't the only team in the NFL who has downfield threats that opponents are trying to take away. Other teams still figure it out. Like you think teams aren't trying to take away Jalen Waddle or Cheetah? No, that's that's my point to some of this though, Rick. I think it is on Joe Burrow to figure this out, to stop being stubborn, to take the short, easy throws. Well, everybody's I, assuming. Everybody's assuming. Well, it's all the play calling. So, well, hold on, but, but but like that that thing about take the short, easy throws. To me, that's what they've been doing. I understand the idea of maybe getting to them a little quicker and a better position to to turn it into a big gainer. But to and me, I like think they did that over the last four drives. Them needing to check down more isn't the issue now throwing over the middle absolutely is 
But the biggest thing to me is you have to find ways to take shots. He threw just one pass of 20 plus yards in this if it's last not game. There, why, why force it if it's not there? Because you have to make it there. That's the whole point. They, that's what they okay. did last year. You throw over the middle and you take those hole shots that he always talks about down the sideline. If you look at last year, he threw down the middle and not check downs down the middle throws down the middle over 15 yards. He did it a lot last year, more than the NFL average. This year, he he is not throwing it down the middle at all. He he is not. So is that on him? I think think we need to talk about that. Like, I do think more, everyone talked this week about Zach Taylor and the play calling. And I think there is absolutely blame that deserves to fall. Yeah, I want to separate a couple things here. Listen, I'm not condoning Zach Taylor completely as a play caller. I think right. that's right. And, and I'm the first to tell you that the, the stuff at the goal line was certainly goofy. Um, you could tell their answers in hindsight. They're like, yeah, you know what? We got a little too cute down there. You know, we Brian Callahan said, hey, you know, we, we were trying to create an easy opportunity to score with the shovel pass um, and with the, the Philly special. And, and, you know, down there, we thought it was too hard to punch it in. I think they got a little spooked from the Miami game where Joe Mixon couldn't get it in twice down by the goal line with multiple carries, and they just determined, all right, let's try something different. It didn't work. Hopefully it's a learning lesson for them. But the other part to it is, listen, they started slow, but but as I kind of wrote, those four of those last five, we had to take the interception out of the equation. The, the other four final drives in that Baltimore game, somebody was calling plays that worked. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they've, they did find a rhythm at some point. Now, then you can still have issues with, what happened when they got into the the red zone on that one drive. And you can have issues with the last drive late in the game where they took all that time off the clock and then basically set the Ravens up perfectly for a, a last second field goal. And, and people are questioning that. And I understand that. And that does fall on Zach Taylor. And there's a lot of questions to be asked of him. But I think to your point, we do have to start looking at Joe Burrow some and, and the blame he shoulders in this, because a lot of times we talk about Joe Burrow as if he's infallible. He can do no wrong. And exactly that hasn't been the case this year. He has made mistakes. I do think he's either scared to throw over the middle to some extent. Maybe, maybe the Steelers game with all the interceptions spooked him a little bit. Maybe. Or, or for whatever reason, he's just not recognizing it and seeing it. And maybe part of that too is they're not running the right route combinations, not running the right type of plays to That's possible too, set the defense up to open up some of those things a little bit but, better. But you, but you know who can't speak to that? Anybody, nobody can speak to that. I don't know if they are or aren't. You don't know if they are or aren't. Former NFL players don't know if they are or aren't. They think they do. They don't. They don't know that. Right. And I think the other thing about Burrow, too, is they even mentioned, you know, you talk about the the play calling down at the goal line, the Philly special, for instance, which is absurd. And I hate that they did it that way. Yes. But they also mentioned that they were in a zone. The, the Ravens were in a zone defense when the Bengals went to run that Philly special. That play should... The play should have never been ran in, against his own defense. You know it's not going to work, and and they basically said as much in interviews this week without throwing each other under the bus. But that's a play where it seems like Joe should recognize that and get them into something else, or you know maybe call a timeout in that situation. So I think there is definitely blame to go around, not just on Zach Taylor, but also on Joe Burrow. Now the the big issue I have going back to the goal line situation is to me. Yes, there's some like Joe Burrow deserves some blame, but I would also say when we talk about this team's identity or what they do well or how they were in the position they were in at the end of last season to make the run they did, despite Zach Taylor calling their plays, the answer to that is they put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands and they let him be him. You go back to that the uh, goal line situation where you're on the two, 
you run a pick play on first down that goes for nothing, but it's it's a quick read where Joe Burrow isn't isn't looking or scanning the field or trying to make a decision or make a play. He's just quickly immediately throwing the ball to one guy and it's out of his hands. Then you run a trick play. You throw over the middle to gain a couple of those yards back, and then you run another trick play. Both plays take the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands and what your team does best. I would much rather see them give Joe Burrow those opportunities to do what he does. Like, again, he doesn't have to get all three or all four plays necessarily down at the goal line. You can run one, you know, maybe the pick play was a good call or maybe one of those trick plays I can live with, but you got to give Joe Burrow at least one chance when you're in that situation. I, I, I think there's no question about that. I think, you know, the whole fact that Joe Mixon didn't get a touchdown there. And I think in talking to, to, to Brian Callahan, when, when we had him off to the side, which we did on, on Monday after the press conference, Zach in the press conference, they kept talking in hindsight. We, they, they real. I think they realized they, they messed that up. They, as Brian said, we were trying to create easier opportunities than forcing a run, forcing a pass. Again, I think they were completely spooked by what happened in my against Miami down at the goal line, and they, they really thought, you know, as Brian said, they're always in man in the goal line. They're always in cover zero man at the goal line situation, and usually would a Philly special type play. It to be zone. It, so it did not. And Marcus Peters makes a great individual play on top of it. I, listen, I'm with everybody on this. For me, I, I, Joe Burrow throw more than one overhand pass in that drive. Although I guess he threw two because he threw the one to Chase that got it back to the two yard line. But I'm letting Joe Burrow throw more than more than literally one overhand pass, and and and, and at least giving Joe Mixon one touchdown down there than I am running trick plays. And that's why I said, hopefully, this in hindsight. Is a, is a great learning experience for them too. Of you know what, stop out thinking yourself. If you give it to Joe Mixon four times from the two and you don't get in, shame on your offensive line at that point. We had a couple ask skinny anything questions about these specific situations. I'll just ask them now because it makes more sense. So when the Bengals run the Philly special, does Tyler Boyd have an actual progression or is it throw it to a wide open burrow or chuck it into the stands? They were not expecting the defense that they saw. So the answer is, Burrow should be wide open, or I think you just get rid of it, right? Well, no, there, he he had, I can't remember who it was on the backside. He said it might have been Jamar because Jamar crossed the formation um, or crossed behind the formation uh, of the defense. He said he had somebody on the backside as a secondary, but honestly, he never got to that. He looked at Burrow, and by the time he tried to either run through it or run around it or even look back, Marcus Peters kicked his ass. Well, I mean, honestly, Marcus Peters makes a great play on that, to be quite frank. If Marcus Peters doesn't come charging in, at the very least, Tyler Boyd's at least getting the corner turn to probably get back to the line of scrimmage or maybe get to the three or four at worst. Yeah, but it's an easy to easy play to make since they were in a zone defense like that. He has, you know, I mean, he has. But, but yeah, but I go back to Tyler even admitted. I mean, listen, Marcus Peters got on him so fast that he's not a quarterback. He just he even said he goes, it, it just became a blur to him. And and that's the whole issue. It's like right. the I'm fact that you. the fact that you told me that he had a progression on that makes me even more upset about the fact that think about this. They gave Tyler Boyd more chances to make reads in that situation than Joe Burrow. Joe yeah. Burrow didn't have a single read. That's correct. I mean, even the pass to chase for the 12 yard was just a quick slant that they gave you to get you back down to the two. Yep. And then the uh, shovel pass play WTF did Joe Burrow see as far as what that's, I don't know. That was just the question that I got. I, I assume they're wondering why he threw it. Uh, kind of just errantly to where Stanley Morgan wasn't exactly on the play. That, yeah, I, that that was that was the target, unfortunately, and he was just hoping that he could throw it to where Stanley was was going to be, and he got bumped and it got mucked up. And I think I said on Sunday night, if you look at it, it looks like Ted Karras is the closest 
person to the to the past. No, it just got mucked up. And at that point, you know, I guess you could argue Joe could pull it down and try to run around and make a miracle happen. Um, and maybe he could have, should have, but I mean, that's the receiver. That's the intended receiver on that play. It's a quick, it's a kind of a quick hitting play to one guy. And it, it got mucked up from the, from the start because of the penetration. Oh, we talked about on Sunday night that Joe didn't necessarily look all that comfortable running the play and neither did Stanley Morgan yeah. at the time. We didn't know this, but since we've learned Stanley Morgan has never run that play. According to him, it was the first time he had ever run it. Yeah, I mean, I, they were they were trying, you know, usually when Stanley's in the game, it's, we joke in the press box when he comes in the game, it's rare as a receiver. It's almost like here comes another running play because Stanley's in. And Brian Callahan said that we tried to make it look like run action because Stanley was in the game. And, um, you know, it just it was a mess. And and again, it's a learning lesson, in my opinion. I, I think it goes back to the whole concept of stop overthinking this. You have a, a Pro Bowl running back and you have a franchise level elite tier quarterback. I'm riding and dying with them down there. And if I don't make it, okay, I can live with that. I can't live with, with how it turned out. You have a number one overall drafted quarterback. You have Jamar Chase was drafted, what, top five? Five, five. yeah. You have Jonah Williams at left tackle, who was a first-round draft pick off your offensive line. You have all these new offensive linemen that you spent all this money on. You have Joe Mixon, who made a Pro Bowl last year. Quit treating your offense like they're an untalented group. That I, is I such that. a loser mentality. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I I think there's a lot of truth to that part of it, of especially in that situation. I'm going to live with my best players doing what they do best. One other question here that came in from Twitter is, you guys talked about the big fourth down last game, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that last offensive drive that took over seven minutes and they ran the play clock down to three or four seconds before every snap, ensuring that they wouldn't have a chance to answer a Ravens score. Yeah, but I don't think you coach like that. You coach the drive the way you coach the drive, and you get it in when you get it in. I, don't, I mean, if it had been you know, down to 30 seconds and, and whatever, and, and you were going to wait to try to punch it in, maybe. But I, no, I mean, I, I think at that point you get the touchdown. I know it took time, but at that point also, your defense is allowed to make a stop. And I love this defense, but th- you're allowed to make a stop there. Yes, although it is. It, it's not always easy to keep a team getting from getting to the 50 yard line, which is essentially Justin Tucker's range there. No, don't um, disagree. Uh, I do. I, I'm kind of with you of like, I, I think really that's think, very nitpicky to be quite frank. I, get I would agree. Yeah. I, I didn't think much of that at the time. Although I, I mean, I, I do think from an overall perspective, when you hear that stat about the Bengals have lost all three games on walk-off field goals, you do wonder. And, and part of this goes back to, Zach Taylor being the play caller and the head coach of, especially in this day and age where we do have all this information, you have analytics and you have data and you have all these people who are really good at looking ahead and, and thinking, okay, if we do this now, here's what it means for our next driver. If we, if we take this much time, here's what it means for another possession or two in this game, what have you. It's very hard to be both in the moment calling the plays and thinking about those types of big picture things all at the same time. I think that's hard for any coach. It's definitely hard for Zach Taylor. And when you hear that stat about them losing three games all on walk-off field goals, you do start to wonder a little bit is like, okay, are they handling these situations well, well or are other teams better at manipulating the clock in these ends of game situations? Well, let's go back to Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they would have won the game a with a, with an extra point. If the snap was, if the, if the King wasn't blocked and then they would have won it a second time, as you recall, with a field goal in overtime, if not for a, for a, a bad snap. Sure. So I don't sure. think that was a matter of managing end of game in that game. And honestly, in the Dallas game, it was a matter of the defense giving up a big play, 
down the middle of the field that kind of put them in field goal range. So, again, I love this defense, but I'm going to point the finger twice at the defense for not getting stops in key spots. Fair. Looking at the Saints game, Skinny, what's the injury status for both teams? It feels like injuries are going to play a, a big part in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's a matter of, my gosh, who plays wide receiver for, for the Saints. Now, they, they could get all their guys back, or maybe they get none of their guys back. Uh, I'll start on the Bengals' side of it. The, the most interesting one, and probably the, the, the key one, I, I think T. Higgins gets back. I do. I know that probably sounds Pollyannish, especially when he didn't, you know, he only played 10 snaps Sunday, and he didn't practice yesterday, but, you know, I, I didn't see he's got see an ankle kind of, issue, right? Yeah, I didn't see, we didn't see in the locker room any kind of rap on it. He worked out on the rehab field and was moving around what looked like pretty well to me. Um, so I think that was a good sign. The biggest one, obviously, is the Jonah Williams situation. And so Jonah yesterday, or Monday, a couple of us are watching him. I mean, he is limping like an old man who needed a walker to the to the training room um, as he came out of meetings. And I said, there's no way this cat can, oh my, my gosh, he can't play. And we were told at the time it was a, it was a knee sprain. And so he talked yesterday and then told, told us it was ended up, he dislocated his kneecap. And it was just so gross the way he was talking about it that it just, it moved around the side of my leg. And, you know, then I went in at halftime, they checked for structural damage. I was fine. And he was walking around the locker room fine yesterday. He didn't practice Wednesday. I'm going to guess he doesn't practice Thursday, goes through the walkthrough on Friday and, and at least starts the game on Sunday. I would be surprised if he doesn't. He says he's trying to work toward that. Um, he is moving around better. There is, you know, they, they tested for structural damage in the knee, and he said they, they, there's, there's none. It's literally he dislocated his kneecap, mm. um, which, again, sounds just so grotesque. It sounds more grotesque than a torn ACL, in my opinion. I know that's that's wrong because a torn ACL is far more far more serious. But just hearing him talk about, you know, that, and then, you know, once they tested it and moved it back in place, you know, I just got it taped up and played. Um, and, that, you know, obviously adrenaline kicked in on Sunday and then the adrenaline's gone on Monday and that's why it probably hurts so much for him to walk. But Wednesday, I was stunned. I watched him walk. I'm like, holy cow, he's walking semi-normal. Um, maybe there's a chance. And then he talks about maybe there is a chance. So I think that's a that's a big positive um, to get a chance to, to, to get him back for, for that game. But, uh, yeah, the wide receiver situation for uh, for the Saints is, is one that's really interesting to me. They had yesterday – I'm going to call it up I don't because I don't have it handy – he had uh, Jarvis Landry, who did not practice. Chris Olave, who's got a concussion, did not practice. And Michael Thomas did not practice. And they had a fourth wide receiver, Deontay Hardy, did not practice. They had four wide receivers who didn't practice yesterday. And the concussion one would be the most serious one, obviously. Well, then, in addition to that, you have the quarterback situation. Jameis Winston has right. been out. Andy Dalton has been playing. They've also been doing uh, their trick plays with Gadget Guy and running all around with Taysom Hill. What do you expect to happen there? I'm going to guess Andy starts. Jameis did practice yesterday. He was limited, um, but I'm going to guess that's probably the situation where a lot of coaches will, when a guy's coming back off a long-term injury, you get him through some practices one week on a limited basis, then he's back full the following week. So I'm going to guess we're going to face Andy Dalton for the third time in three years, and sad to say, although he wasn't a big part of win number two, he is 2-0 against his old team. Afternoon, Andy. Don't feel great about playing Andy Dalton at a 1 o'clock game. Exactly. Uh, looking ahead, Skinny, this Saints game starts a stretch of six, in my opinion, that are is really going to define the season for the Agreed. Bengals. Yep. If you do not get it right in these next six games, which is at Saints, home against the Falcons, at the Browns, home against the Panthers, at the Steelers, and at the Titans. I mean, what are we talking? You've got to be at least four and two, I think, during that stretch to feel like you have a chance. Yeah, at least four and two. Um, five and one would be 
I think is well within possibility range. Um, it would be optimal, but yeah, if you, I mean, splitting these things, you're five and six then with that gauntlet to finish with. Um, at that point, you can't tell me there's not at least two more losses that get you then to nine and eight. No, Rick, I, I'm with you. You got to go four and two through this stretch at a minimum. And if nothing else, you just, I mean, the wins are important, obviously, but you have to see signs of life from this offense and signs yeah. that they're going That's to get right. Point. Because yeah. if you think you're going to, you know, host the Chiefs and get right on December 4th, that ain't happening. Then you've got the Browns the following week. You go to Tampa Bay after that. You go to New England, who looks great right now with a third string quarterback after that the, on New Year, or Christmas Eve. And then the day after New Year's, you've got the Bills and you wrap up with the, the Ravens at home. So, I mean, it is it is really a murderer's road down the stretch. It's not going to be easy, those final six games. So these next six, they've got to get on track and it starts this Sunday. No question. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's. I think that's obvious for, for for lack of a better term. All right, let's go to the college football side of things. AP top 25 poll is out. Ohio State moved up to number two. Kentucky dropped another nine spots to 22. And Cincinnati moved up three spots to 21. We'll start with Kentucky because I feel like that's the biggest story. It's a disappointing one locally, but I'll just ask this, Skinny. From the bright side of things, did Kentucky's 24-14 loss to South Carolina help Will Levis's Heisman bid? Uh, well, it's going to probably be too little too late, though, when he when he gets back. Um, I mean, they, they, they clearly do not look like the same team at all without no. Will Levis, which we kind of knew would happen. A couple of things. The defense has had so many injuries that it, that they're not the dominant defense I thought they were going to be. And I think that they can be when they're fully healthy. And, and then, um, you know, you're, you're starting a kid under center at quarterback who's never taken, well, he's taken some snaps, but he's never started a game. You know, he's a three-star recruit out of Somerset, Kentucky. So not like Kaya Sharon's a, a high-level guy. And you start the game with a gadget play that just gets blown up because a dude misses a block. What, what are you doing? I mean, you've got 24 in the backfield. He's back. He looks like he's running as well as he's ever run. I'd, I would have ridden that kid for 40 carries on Saturday night and said, let's, let's win with that. It's exactly what we just talked about with the Bengals in the f- fourth and goal situation, or the, the goal to go from the two situation where you run two trick plays. Now, granted, Kentucky is in a little more of a desperation spot without their starting quarterback. Yeah. But when you run a gadget play on the first play from scrimmage, you're just screaming, <laughs> guys, we don't trust what we've got today. We're going to try to fool you. Smoke and mirrors from here on. Like, like you said, you've got Chris Rodriguez. You're the better team. You're supposed to win that game. Run it down their throats and establish dominant dominance. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you gave them. You literally gave them a gift touchdown right off the bat. Yeah, I just I, I did not understand that play calling at all. Uh, the, where's the Will Levis situation stand at this point in terms of his injury? It just sounds like it continues to be a day to day thing. Um, you know, were, it, he, it, he's listed as questionable for this week. Do you think there's any yeah. chance that he would return? Honestly, I can't answer that because you know the, the the it's the whole foot thing. I guess it's a matter of what pain tolerance can he have? What how, how can he move around on it? And right now, it, he's he's not doing that. So, um, you know, it, it, let's say Will misses this week's game. Um, you you fall to four and three possibly because Mississippi State's playing really really well, and you still got Tennessee and Georgia on the schedule, man. I mean, it, it, it would look like a, a season in which you got into the top ten. And you were dreaming like I was of potentially ten and zero at at against Georgia, nine and one maybe at worst with with a loss to Tennessee. Suddenly you're scrambling to get to seven and five and back to the Belt Bowl or whatever crap bowl you're going to go to. Yeah, how much did this loss kind of ruin the season from a UK fan perspective? The old Miss loss sucked, but this one it really kind of changes things and takes you any out of any real contention. 
Yeah, I mean, the only hope you would have at this point is, um, you know, Tennessee loses to 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 Alabama, but plays well enough where you're like, okay, that's a pretty good team. Kentucky then can go spring an upset at Tennessee. Um, Georgia, uh, Tennessee then beats Georgia, and Kentucky beats Georgia. You have three teams with two losses, and Kentucky would would have a chance then with with two losses to still get to the SEC championship game. But it feels like this is trending more towards a seven and five season than it is the pipe dream I just talked about. Yeah, if that, if Will Levis doesn't get back. Yeah, I, it's still, they still have Vandy, Missouri, and Louisville. Um, I think Will will be back for some of that. You know, it may be next week for, well, they actually have a bye week after this week. So there's that too, um, to factor into the equation of Will Levis kind of getting, getting back to full health. But it's just, Saturday was really disappointing. On the Cincinnati side, it's on one hand, UC had to score a fourth quarter touchdown to come from behind for the 28 24 win over a team that they were favored by four touchdowns against. On the other, they did find a way to make the plays and get the job done when needed, including the fourth and one stop with about five minutes left. So the way we were starting to feel about this team and the way they were looking, it felt like a disappointing performance. And it was, it was. but then at the same time, you have to give a lot of credit for a team that like lost so much from last year. And we were expecting them to go through a little more growing pains. We finally see that happen in this game where not it's not like they just fell behind early because of a couple fluke plays. This was a back and forth game the whole time, and they were losing in the fourth quarter. They had to score a come from behind touchdown to win this one and then get a stop on defense. And skinny, they found a way to do it. So I I have to give them some credit for that. Yeah, I, I just wonder the human nature of of them and the dominance they've had in this league. And it happened last year, right? Remember when they were supposed to be winning with style points? To impress the, the 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 committee and all that, and and yeah, and, good point. And the college football, and they never really could do that. And I just wonder, they've dominated the AAC for for the last few years to the point of, I just wonder if honestly, the human nature of boredom of playing. Oh, it's just USF. They suck, and and it's just a human nature thing. Because you're right, it wasn't like USF created eight turnovers and. Uh, you know, it was really, they played them toe to toe. And I just, same kind of same with Tulsa, right? I mean, Tulsa hung around when you're thinking that's Tulsa and they're, they're not very good. I, I just wonder if that's kind of for UC, they get in the league and it's like, ho-hum, we've got the same teams we've been beating for, for the last few years. We'll beat them again. And to their credit, they did. They they don't do it with style points, but they do beat them. Evan Prater played a decent amount of the fourth quarter in this one after Ben Bryant left with an injury. I we think it's a head injury. They're not saying exactly what it is. He got it hit sure looked like it. He got hit in the shoulder, got jarred around. It would seem like uh, there's something going on with his head because it sounds like it's not a shoulder injury. So uh, kind of limits your options after that. They are on a bye week, though. So that's a big thing. Yeah, that's it, huge. Y- you might be able to get Ben Bryant back for SMU. There's part of me, though, that I'd like to see this team with Prater running the show for a full game. No, you, No, you wouldn't. I would. I, I know everyone's okay. freaking out because okay. they looked limited at the end of that game. I'd also remind you they came back and won the game with Evan Prater playing quarterback, and it's a lot different to well, come they ran, in. They won that's... because Charles McClellan busted off a long run, man. Oh, correct. Well, I mean, Evan Prater made a couple plays as well, but yeah, I mean, the, I also think it's hard to judge a quarterback off of him coming in in the fourth quarter of a close game you're trying to make a comeback, and in a game where you've been running a different type of offense than you would run if he was at quarterback all game. So I think you have to give a guy like him a full week of game prep and knowing he's going to be the starter and letting the offensive coordinator know that going into the game, because you're probably going to be running a little bit different style of an offense. If Evan Prater is in there for a full game, I would just like to see what he brings to this team. Ben Bryant has been pretty good. 
He's very good at throwing the ball downfield and making those big plays, which is the reason I think he'll remain the quarterback and, and should be. Uh, I think he will too. But there are some things. He's just a little inconsistent. And I think Evan Prater gives you another another d- dynamic to this offense that might be helpful at times when you, you hit those pockets of inconsistency. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the, you know, maybe when those pockets of inconsistency, kind of like that Indiana game that maybe just uh, for a series, let's see what he does to provide a spark and give the defense a different look to it. Well, they've been um, struggling to get the run game going too, and yeah, he I'm, can I'm, do I'm that. I'm kind of okay with that, but but I, I always defer to the, listen, if the coaching staff thought Evan Prater gave them a better chance to win week in and week out, he'd be the starting quarterback. They don't. They think Ben Bryant does. Right, but I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not on the UC staff. I don't really care what happens to them. From a fan's perspective, I would just like to see what they look like with Evan Prater. I think I'm entitled to that opinion. I, I'm that, not that, saying it well, will that, be better. I'm, I just, I want to see what it looks like from a curiosity standpoint. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. And I, like I said, I, I think in those moments where you do have a lull, I I don't think it's a bad thing to have a second quarterback with with a different package to to go in and play. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I but I mean, and that that is something I think they should be doing, and maybe should have already been doing. Yeah, but I disagree. If Ben Bryant, for whatever reason, can't make it back for the SMU game, I am very curious to see Evan Prater get a full game running the show and just see what that looks like one time. Yeah. We haven't seen it yet. No, it will be interesting. That's what I would say. I'll give you that part. It would be interesting. I still think UC can run the table the rest of the way, yes. but it's not going to be easy as I thought. Like two weeks ago, I was like, you know what? They might not even be challenged again. Yeah, but like I go back to, it was like kind of like last year where you're like, why are they letting this team hang around? It's yep. just, sports is so human nature. It's, it's, it's absurd at times. It is, especially at the college level. And, uh, you know, that I mean, let, let me let me use a team as an example. And they played last night. I'm sure you didn't watch any of it. I did only because I had a small wager on it. And thank goodness I took the, the side that was the underdog. Remember Marshall when they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame? I do. They can't even win a Sun Belt game now. They got boat raced at home by 10 points last night as a 10 point favorite. It's just it's so weird how stuff just. We all look at one game in a vacuum or two games in a vacuum or try to compare. Well, that team beat that. That just doesn't work like that. I wish it did. It would be easier to bet that way. I am now fully focused on that October 29th game at UCF. Yes. That's going to be awesome. UCF actually plays tonight against Temple. So if you want to see UCF, UC fans, you can watch them this evening. Temple stinks. Temple stinks. All right. Finally, Ohio State. Uh, C.J. Stroud tied a school record with six touchdown passes in Ohio State's 49-20 win over Michigan State. That's the third time Stroud has thrown for six touchdowns in a game. Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdown catches, and the Buckeyes are the first Big Ten team to score 45-plus points in five straight games since Michigan did it to close the 1946 season and start the 1947 season, Skinny. Wow. It's uh. We, we've talked a lot about this Ohio State offense and the numbers that they've been putting up, but that's a stat that when you see 1946, that's that's a that's a pretty impressive stat right there. And and just to clarify, I was not alive then, just in case anybody's wondering. I was going to ask you how that went, yes. but I, yeah, I did look up your birthday. I did not before. see the 46. I did not get a chance to see the 46 season live in, in person. Um, but the 47 season, you saw the, them finish oh, it up, and were, that was great. Outstanding. No, no question. No, I mean, this offense is absurd. You know, one week, Mayan Williams runs it for almost 205 touchdowns. Then he's hurt, and oh, well, we just got Travian Henderson to, to, to fall back on. And oh, well, CJ didn't play good one week, and we still scored 50 points. And then CJ throws for six times. I mean, they're just ridiculous. They are absolutely ridiculous. I'm telling you, if I'm Georgia or Alabama, I don't want to face them. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We started off this year, and Alabama and Georgia clearly looked like the best teams in the country, I thought. And, you know, a few weeks later now, 
both of them have had their struggles and Ohio State really has it. They had that, you know, first week or two, they were a little slow offensively compared to what we thought they'd be, but they haven't had any type of close calls like we've seen with Bama and Georgia. No, um, you know, Bama has gotten by a couple of times by the hair of their chinny chin chin. Now they've done it. And to their credit, they did it last week without Bryce Young. And when Bryce Young comes back, I'm sure that offense will be much, much better. But at the same time, I mean, Texas A&M has been pretty pedestrian on offense and they hung a 20 spot on Bama to hang around. Uh, This Ohio State offense is just so dynamic. I'm not so sure that they don't score in the high 20s, if not low 30s against Bama or Georgia when they play them and maybe even more. They will. They are on a bye this week. They will host Iowa on October 22nd, the following. That's a noon game. So that's what's coming up for them. Iowa is back to being awful again. So really, the following week at Penn State will be the next big game for Ohio State in theory. How about that Illinois-Iowa game? Nine to six. Nice offense. Just stupid. The Big Ten sucks. I don't know why UCLA and USC are – oh, yeah, I do. Money. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anytime you question that, just remember the end end, end thing. It ends in dollar signs. Yeah. Uh, We we mentioned Alabama. They have the game of the week coming into this one. They're at Tennessee. Tennessee looks legit. Bryce Young is questionable still, it sounds like. Yeah. I'm telling you, and I think you're going to see it – I don't want to put the Tennessee offense in the Ohio State category, but they're damn close to as pro- prolific. They're legit good. I mean, they've been talked about for, it seems like, you know, a decade now of everyone thought, oh, is Tennessee finally going to be back? This is the first time it feels like they are a legitimate contender in the SEC with the real powers, not just the middling teams like, oh, yeah, they they're, they got a chance to compete with Florida and beat Kentucky this year or something like that. no. They're legit. They they might be able to give Alabama and Georgia a contest. We're finally going to get to see that in action this week with them hosting Alabama. I got to be honest, though. I'm all over Bama in this game. From a I'm, dude, I'm not. I, 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 I'm going to go bet Tennessee on the money line. I'm, t- I'm certainly taking them. I'm going to bet them up there seven right now, maybe six and a half. I'm going to take them to seven and a half and a couple of couple of parlays, and I'm betting them on the money line. I think they are legit, and I think Bama is, if, if, if Bryce Young doesn't play, will not be able to keep up offensively. Prove it to me. It's still saving. Fair enough. Fair enough. Coach is Josh Heupel. No, I mean, you're fair, fair, that's fair enough. But man, that's a that seems like an awfully big number. Seven and a half. I mean, you know, holding. Uh, how many SEC teams have held Alabama within a touchdown score in the the last five years? I mean, it's A A&M you know. just did right. That, which makes it a good spot to play Alabama this week. They they they're coming off a terrible I performance. I don't know, Rick. The, the 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 couple of games that they've played on the road, the Texas game and the A and M game, just bother me about their offense, especially without. And they had A and M was Texas. home. Oh, you're right. So yeah, that that's even more troublesome. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 that's a legit <laughs> point. Them being on the road, being at Tennessee, scares me a little bit. But I'm especially I'm still going to play Alabama. Yeah, if Bryce Young doesn't play, it's a little bit different. Listen, I've been Neyland Stadium. Just when 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 Tennessee rolls and and was rolling, I, I've been in Neyland about four or five different times. A is a couple times as a fan and and a couple times covering when I was covering UK back in the the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, that place just gets crazy loud. I mean, I I remember sitting in the upper deck when I was a student in eighty four, and Kentucky actually went there and beat Tennessee. That actually was the first win before they went thirty years without beating. Tennessee, and they finally broke the streak five or six years ago. I remember we were sitting in the upper deck, and the upper deck swaying. It was almost scary. Well, and 
let's just hope they don't start throwing objects onto the field like they did last year against Ole Miss. Yeah, that was that was nutty. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears one more time before we get to our betting segment. College basketball talk, University of Cincinnati basketball team was picked third as announced by the league on Wednesday. Houston was the overwhelming favorite with 10 first place votes. Memphis received the other. David DeJulius was named preseason all AAC second team. Skinny, what do you think of the third place prediction and Wes Miller's second year at the helm? I think it says two things. I, I think that's probably right. I mean, I think Houston got 10 of the 11 first place votes, and I think they're the clear cut. Yeah, best they've just league. completely taken over that league. Yes, correct. Memphis, just because they always have dudes, I, I still find it interesting that Memphis extended Penny, um, but okay, you do you. Um, well, he beat the feds, or he beat the IARP, man. He, he did do that. You're right. But I think it also shows that I don't want this to sound as a knock on UC. I just don't, but it's going to sound like that. When you look below them, it's Tulane, Temple, UC. They suck. The rest of the league's terrible. Uh, well, that's the thing. People are really high on this Tulane team. And, like, you see that. You see Tulane ranked that high. Uh, they were fourth right behind UC. And you read some of these capsules that people are writing about them and how good they're going to be. And I, they finished 14 and 15 last year. Right, they right. had a losing record overall. Right. I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the Big 12 can't come fast enough. Agreed. You see program overall in athletics. But from the basketball side, they, they really need this year. Because, I mean, last year they finished eighth ahead of only ECU, Tulsa, and USF. Lost nine of their last 12 in the regular season. This is a season for them to get back on track, and I think they're going to be better. I don't have an issue with them being picked third, uh, but I will say I, I keep going back to the fact that when I look at their schedule that they put together in the non-conference this year, it does make me a little concerned that Wes Miller does not think they're going to be as improved as I do. Yeah, um, but I think it also allows them to ease into that transition a little bit too, right? Fair. I mean, but there's there's, there's two ways to look at that. There's the one of you schedule sometimes because you realize we're not as good and where you schedule to say, Hey, I gotta, I gotta allow my guys to breathe a little bit here while we kind of mesh. Yeah. But the only problem about that is if you screw up at all in any of those games, you didn't add in any wiggle room. You, no, that's your, fair. Your, your conference doesn't have the strength of schedule on the back end for you to play nobody in non-conference. So it's like you lose one game in that non-conference schedule that you're not supposed to lose. I didn't all of a sudden it's like, how do you make that back up? You know? So yeah, no. Yeah. It'd be a shame if they had to play a tough horizon team on the road early in the year or something. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> All right, let's get into our betting segment. Not great for me last week. I went three and five and gave you a game back as you went four and four. So now after what uh 46 picks, we are dead even. 24, 21, and one. All right. So that still shows us with a little bit of a profit margin, not just, by much. If you take if you take the juice into effect, we're just a little bit above. Just barely showing a profit here. But if you've taken our uh, favorite bets, you, you might be ahead on some of the. I know you, you had a terrible one last week. Yeah, almost as bad as my oh, I picks. did. Um, who'd I, who'd I, I had Arkansas, didn't I? Yeah. Mississippi State smacked them by like oh, 30 or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. I did cash. I don't even remember what it was now, but I did. cash. Oh, I had Oregon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And they cash. So uh, we, but we've been hitting a pretty good rate on those uh, and our favorite bets of the week. Saturday at 730 is our first and only college football game. As we mentioned, the Bearcats and Buckeyes are both on a bye week. It's Mississippi State at Kentucky. Mississippi State is a four and a half point favorite. The total is 49 in that game. Yeah, I'm I'm taking that total under. Um, I, I do hope. To. 
I do hope Kentucky doesn't do what it's done in the past to the Mike Leach offense. They went to the rush three, drop eight, and they stuck it up his ass for a couple of years doing that. Well, for whatever reason, that's what Arkansas tried on Saturday, and 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 they just they carved them up. There was literally no pass rush, and there were passing lanes to throw it to, and they and they actually ran the ball well as well. So I hope Kentucky doesn't go to the three drop eight because I think Mississippi State has figured that part out. I'm going to put my trust back in this Kentucky defense. You know, as much as they they gave up some points in the second half, I mean that defense, in my opinion, gave up 17 points. The the offense handed Mississippi State or handed South Carolina seven. So I'm going to trust in this Kentucky defense. I'm going to hope that they use Chris Rodriguez more if if, if Will Levis doesn't play. Hopefully, Kaya Sharon with a game under his belt can can make enough throws to keep some drives alive and maybe hit a home run shot to those speedsters on the outside. Although Kentucky's a little nicked up at wide receiver, I, I this is probably more heart related than it is head related. I'll go Kentucky 23-20. All right, so that is UK and the under there for you. I obviously so much of this depends on if Will Levis is going to play or not. It's it's impossible to look at Kentucky as even being remotely similar with him out. No, of it the is mix. interesting. Yeah, Rick, it is interesting because I think the line, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you don't know the answers. I thought I saw the line opened at six and a half Mississippi State, so it's come down. So it's that, come down. Yeah, that would make you feel like it, it that the trend is towards Will Levis playing. I mean, like the line for last week, remember, opened with Kentucky as a ten and a half point favorite. And by the time we, I think we did the podcast last week, it was down to six or six and a half. So yeah, I think it went it off at like six. The, yeah, and the trend was obviously that Will Levis isn't going to play, so let's chop off the Kentucky. And they were right. I mean, the gamblers, the, the lines makers were right. Yeah, I, I still just seeing what they did on that first play last week tells me all I need to know about what they oh, think of fair. their backup option at quarterback. So I'm going to to play the odds here. Assume Will Levis doesn't play or he's not healthy. And I'm going to go Mississippi State 27, Kentucky 21. So I'm on Mississippi State and the under. Then that brings us to our NFL game Sunday at one o'clock. We've got the Bengals at the Saints. Bengals are a two point favorite. Total is 43 for this one. Yeah, th- this is more related to I-, I still believe in the talent of this Bengals team. I'm, I-, I think they did find some stuff on those last four drives that they can kind of stick to. And I'll be honest. I mean, this this Saints team isn't great defensively. They gave up 26 to the Falcons. They gave up 20, 22 to the god-awful Panthers. They gave up 28 in, in London to the Vikings. They gave up 32 last week to the Seahawks. And while Andy is 2-0 against them, if the Bengals can get the offense rolling, I don't think Andy keeps up. I'll go Bengals 27-20. 27-20. So that's Bengals and the over for you. Uh, so the Andy Andy Dalton factor... You got to take that into account a little bit. He's 2-0 and against the Bengals. You know he probably likes some revenge, and it's a 1 o'clock game, so that makes him even a little bit more dangerous. That being said, I'm kind of with you. I, I still go back to the Bengals beat the Jets and the Dolphins fairly easily without playing all that well and without having this offense on track, quote-unquote. I, I think they can beat the Saints even if they don't get everything right. So uh, hopefully they take a step in the right direction. But either way, I'm going Bengals 24, Saints 17, Bengals and the under for me. Yeah, and I don't, I, I'm never the believer in sense of urgency. I, I don't usually know what that, under, I, everybody likes to talk about that. But I, I do think there's, it feels like there's something to the, the fact this team's just too good to sit there at two and four and be staring on the outside looking at the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're going to make some type of run to get back into this thing. I it may be so too, too little, too late, 
but they're not going to, this isn't going to be a five win season or something. Yeah, no, but I don't, it's not too little too late there. You're only one game out and you still got Baltimore coming to your place at the end. So you still have plenty of things to, 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 to plenty of time to get things right. But yeah, it just, again, I'm not a sense of urgency guy, but it just doesn't feel like this team's going to be sitting at two and four after this week, staring at the eight ball of, oh my gosh, are you going to really finish seven and 10? I don't see it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not too late yet, but it, it goes back to this six-game window that we talked about. Yeah, you right, get three right. games into this and you haven't figured anything out and you're one no, and two right. in those games, and then, then I start to really worry. No, fair enough, yeah. All right, that brings us to our favorite bet of the week. Skinny, I've got a good one that I don't think many people probably have their eyes set on, and it's a fun okay. one, too, because it's 10.45 p.m. Saturday night. So after everything's over, oh, wow. you can get right with this one. A little, little, little pack 12 after dark? Even better. Uh-oh. MWC after dark. Oh my, who we got? San Jose State has been my They're team good. this year. They're good. They are sneaky good. They are four and one against the spread. They've won, they've covered all last four games, missed the first one against Portland State when they were favored by 22. And that kind of screwed up their metrics since then because they only won that game by four. They are an eight and a half point favorite against Fresno State on the road. It is at Fresno State. But Fresno State is one and four overall. They're horrifying. Zero and five against the spread. They and? just they just oh, lost the- forty to twenty against Boise State. And there's one more and I got for you. They lost to UConn nineteen fourteen. There's the end. There's the end I was looking for. This ninth place Fresno State Bulldogs team. I'm not really sure how San Jose State is only an eight and a half point favorite. Not only am I playing the eight and a half, I'm also going to play it at 12 and a half because that was the highest I could take it on DraftKings. So, yeah, look at that. Maybe a reverse teaser line, but definitely play San San Jose State minus eight and a half. I'm going back to the game I talked about. I'm going to take Tennessee in the seven. Am I allowed to bet it up to seven and a half? Uh, Yeah, you can. It might. I'll bet it. I think it is at seven and a half. Are we sure? Well, I'm looking at, yeah, the one I'm looking at now is seven. So if you let me have okay. it at seven and a half, I'll, I'm, I'm definitively taking Tennessee in the seven and a half. We go off DraftKings usually. So I'll, I'll look at, dra- I'm looking at DraftKings right now for it. Well, that's I'll fair enough. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got, yeah, I've got it off my CBS sports app. So yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll again, whatever it is, if it's at seven and I go to play it, I'm betting it up to seven and a half. I'm going to give the extra juice. Right, that's a three thirty game, correct? Yes, indeed. CBS local 12, as a matter of fact. Okay. It is at seven. You're right. I'm holding you to seven. All right, I'll take the side. But do we really want to push if push comes to shove? I'm willing to bet it up to seven and a half. It doesn't even count for the pick'em. So you're just giving this to the people. All right, fair enough. Bet it up to seven and a half, people. (laughs) Seven and a half, there you go. All right, let's get into some Ask Skinny Anything. Uh, Skinny, I don't really want to spend any time on this, but Major League Baseball playoffs, are you watching them? I am, actually. Um I like playoff anything. I, I do. I love playoff hockey. I don't very much watch the the NHL regular season. I'm in an NBA fantasy league that kind of keeps my NBA regular season interest a little bit. I'm just. I know you're a big NBA fan. I'm not, but I love NBA playoff basketball. I love playoff anything. I'm hell. I love playoff soccer in high school. I just. I, I when when games matter, um, it just ramps up the attention and the fan fandom and all that. I and I think you've had some pretty good matchups. So yeah, I am. I, I I've enjoyed it actually. I'm sorry. Did you just say you even like? Playoff high school, soccer in high soccer. school. Yes, I do. Okay, I've covered a couple of a uh, couple of handful of state tournaments back in the day and really enjoyed them. Great one years ago between uh, between Louisville Sacred Heart and Notre Dame that went to penalty kicks was was pretty damn exciting. <laughs> do you, I'm just saying. Do you, 
do you have any uh thoughts on who's gonna win the the world series or who's gonna um, play in the world series yeah i i it, it's hard to pick against the dodgers just because they do everything so well um but i'm i'm gonna go with houston i i they 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 match them almost in a, in a lot of different ways and if you go head to head with pitching matchups come world series time um, and of course, the way that they won that first game against Seattle in, in comeback fashion. Now, listen, um, I'm probably going if I can do it today. Put a small thing on Luis Castillo this afternoon because he's a like a 145 underdog and he's pitched really well. Um, but I, 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 I like Houston a lot. Skinny, are you surprised Draymond Green only got a fine and no suspension for punching his teammate Jordan Poole at practice? I mean, obviously, it was up to the to the Warriors what they decided to do. Um, you know, obviously, he decided to take some time away from the team. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I just leave it up to them if they all thought that was the best course of action. But I mean, how how do these guys continue playing with each other? How does that locker room can not get fractured at some point? I mean, doesn't one of them have to go? Well, here's the thing: they've probably all hated Draymond Green for years. I mean, right. the, the only way this thing gets leaked is if. Everybody Somebody. in that organization hates Draymond. Green. No question. But but let me just tell you this. And as much as he is a just an absolute loose cannon nut job, he's a big reason why they win. That's the problem. And that's why you kind of wonder. It's like, I have to imagine most of these guys have gotten tired of his act long before this. So they, they found a way to win a, a championship last year with him. And that was him playing poorly for the first two or yep. three games. And right. I mean, I'd, I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, my initial thought was exactly what you said. It's like, how do you go on like this? But then you, I mean, it's, I don't know that he's ever fractured someone's face or not fractured, but uh, destroyed someone's face and had it all swollen and black and blue like that. But I, I mean, I have to imagine he's probably not well liked already. So yeah. I, again, I, I don't think this, like I, I was talking about this with some uh, college coaches and I was like, what would you do if something like that got leaked? from one of your practices, the video of it. And most of them are like, well, I think you basically just go to anyone that's involved with your, your video situation. You say, someone's got to fess up or all of you leave. Wow. Cause you can't have so- a snit. I mean, you can't have someone who's releasing stuff like that. That's something that, that's gotta be handled internally. Maybe Steve Kerr released it. I find that hard to believe that's a, that's I a man who's been punched in his face in his own face at practice before. Good. Well, maybe, maybe that's why. I, I feel like he's pretty good at keeping that under wraps. But, but no, uh, I go back to, doesn't one of them have to go? I, well, again, I just, I think if that were the case, they would have already had it. You know what I mean? They would have already had issues with Draymond. They would have already been fractured and, and lost each other. So, I mean, Jordan Poole is talented. Yes, he is. I, I wouldn't want to be getting rid of him. Draymond Green's either, at the end of his career, but uh, you but still won a championship with him last guy. year. Right. He's yeah. such a glue guy. I don't know that I want to mess that up. So I don't think either one of them are going to be leaving. The, the second part of this question was uh, what's worse, what Green did or what Devontae Adams did on Monday Night Football, which just came out. He's actually being charged for that. He charged with yeah, assault. With a, uh, I think a misdemeanor felony. Um, yeah, what Devontae Adams did was was inexcusable. Um, I will give him credit. If you see one of the angles of it, I think he did think the guy cut him off. He's in the yeah, guy popped up out of nowhere off. to some extent. Yeah. 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 Um, he quickly apologized. And I was waiting when I heard the sound, but I was waiting for him to be very defensive about it. And, and he, he apologized. He tried to explain it. I think he was was I honestly I think he was honest about what took place. 
uh, regretted what he did, but you just, you can't do that. I mean, you just can't do it. I mean, yeah, it's just, an absolutely just, terrible. I'm sorry that somebody may have cut you off NFL star guy. You know what? He cut you off. Just hang on a second and then walk around him. You'll live. Yeah. I, I, this is not an excuse for him or saying that it's okay. I have thought for a while, both in basketball and certainly in the NFL, there are too many damn people down no the sidelines absolutely. And around absolutely. And stuff. So I can get where that would be annoying, frustrating, whatever. It all happened at the wrong time for him. But yeah, I mean, you lost the game. I, you can't be pushing people over it. And Rick, maybe you know the answers. It looked like a guy with a boom mic. So I, I, he might have been working for the NFL for all I know. I, I, I don't I, know the answer to that. It was it a boom mic or I thought it might have actually been a, a camera on like a, a gimbal, oh, like a steady. Maybe, cam maybe type it was. Situation. Yeah, okay. Maybe it was, but I'm gonna guess that was that was for something, right? Yeah, Not I just, mean he had a vest on. I think it, I think yeah. he was definitely working media. I don't think he was just like yeah, a I, random dude. I would think instead of having police charges filed, my hope would be that that you just kind of meet with each other, shake hands, and say you're sorry and move on. Give him an autographed football and be done with whatever. I mean, yeah. just I don't if know if it rises to that level. If you're that guy, instead of immediately filing a police report, don't you just ask to like reach out to him in some way and be like, hey, man, can you hook me up with a gig? I want to be a like if you're a content creator, it's like, hey, I'm trying to break in and, and do content like Kyler Murray has his own video guy that travels to all the games and puts out videos for social media. Like, wouldn't you just be like, hey, can you hook me up with a gig with someone? Get me. There you you go. wanna, I want to make 60 grand and travel around. You know, it's like if you're a, a local photographer. There are better ways to play that than filing a police report immediately. Now, to pony off of this subject, if, if somehow, some way, that goofball in, in San Francisco or L.A. or wherever that was, he ran on the, I guess it was L.A. at SoFi, and, and something becomes of Fred Warner knocking him down, and, and then they you know, he's filed a police report, and they're investigating. If something becomes of that, you got to be kidding me. That guy deserved anything he got that bad that happened to him on that field. I'm okay if we start shooting people who run on the fields during Fair enough. I have no I mean, issue truth, with it. Truth, truth be told, Fred Warner is, is I mean, I, I think there was some, I get it. Listen, you don't know if that, what the, if that pink thing is a bomb eventually. It's not. It's stupid. But at the same time, get off the, you don't belong on the field. There, there's a great one from many years ago. You can go to YouTube on this one. Mike Curtis, who was a linebacker for the Baltimore Colts in the 60s and 70s, um, he did that to a fan once. And I can't remember the quote that a teammate had that said, said, um, Mike's whole thing was he, he was in my place of business and by the time I'm doing business, he broke a, he broke a city statute and I enforced it. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, th this is a complete take your life in your own hands at your own risk situation. If you run onto a field like that, especially if you're a vegan, especially if you're worried about vegetarian, vegan, saving animals type stuff with some stupid message. Again, shoot them. I do not care. They, I don't you should not you. be doing this. It is dangerous. And not only is it dangerous, but it's incredibly stupid and wastes everyone's time. Correct. I'm glad Fred Warner did it. I hope to God the police go, no, you trespassed, dude. He's just helping the, the security people out. You shouldn't have been trespassing. Absolutely. And and people can say, oh, come, you know, come on. He's he's clearly harmless. Okay. Uh, keep saying that until the one time that someone come, does That's come down correct. with a weapon or something and something crazy happens. It's How going to be a the tragedy. Was it Monica Sell? Who was this? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. The the I think it was Monica Sellis, the tennis player who got stabbed. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were going like the figure skating around with uh, Tanya Harding. Well, Tanya no, yeah, no, no, I was no, like, no, that's no, a no. different situation. But, but no, I mean, I was a fan came and stabbed her. Yeah. Former Ohio State quarterback Art Schleister has been charged with possessing cocaine. That's your guy, your former, guy. your former partner on radio. Yeah, uh, my guy. Walt 
While responding to a report of an overdose, police found him unresponsive at the Hampton Inn along Lyman Drive in Hilliard, Ohio, according to court documents. Skinny, what are your thoughts on uh, your former? Uh, in another world, it could be you and Arch Schleister right now doing this podcast together. That's that. That is a fact. Um, yeah, I mean, if those that have listened to this podcast didn't know, we actually did do a, a, a radio show together for a couple of years, and um, he was so good at it, it was ridiculous. I mean, he's just an ultra talented guy in a lot of ways. But when boy, he wasn't a, scamming you out of money, well, I got my money back, so there was that too. But man, what a self-destructive dude! My lord, goodness God, you were. <clears throat> I'm going to say not surprised to read this news. Um, no, and I probably won't be surprised that when he gets back out, that he doesn't get busted for gambling again or, or, or into some kind of scam for that. He just, he just can't get out of his own way. Unfortunate. Uh, skinny. What, what restaurant locally do you hate the most and why do I hate the most? Yeah. I don't know if I hate any restaurant the most. Um, yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, if I hate a restaurant, I just don't go to it, right? Seems seems like a reasonable idea. Yeah, that's it's kind of a weird question when you think about it. Like, does this guy just go to go to the fast food chain that he hates the most once a week just to just to get himself in the right mindset? I mean, I will say about six or so months ago, we went to a restaurant in which I chewed out a manager because um, uh, they took our order. They, they served like four or five tables around us that sat after us. Another hour had passed by. Nobody had come by to tell us, hey, sorry about your order. It's taking a long time. Or, oh, we goofed and didn't put your order in. Um, finally, we had a manager came over, was kind of a smart ass to us when we asked the question of, hey, it's a busy Friday night. And I'm, I'm like, okay, took away. Still no question. So what I think ended up happening was they misplaced the order. All you had to do was tell us that. I got to the point where I just ripped the guy in front of everybody. I probably shouldn't have done it. I, I don't regret it. And I haven't gone back since. And I actually liked the restaurant. I just, I thought the guy was just a smart ass. And I know it's a, it's a busy Friday night. We weren't in a hurry, but when you see four tables around you that got sat well after you got sat and another hour goes by and we still got nothing. That's a problem, Rick. Yes. Call him out. Where was it? I can't think of the name of the restaurant. It's a restaurant in union. I can't, I honestly can't think of the name of it at the moment. That's weak. What was the guy's name? Do you want to, you want to call him out? I personally? Don't, yeah, I don't even know that. Got his I just, social yeah, security I number. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even have any of that. Uh, <laughs> Should I or any other sports fan listening to this podcast be forced to go pick out pumpkins this Saturday afternoon during college football? I need a way out. My man, I've I've done that in a past life when I had small children. I occasionally would have to suck it up and, and go do that. As long as it's not around when your favorite team plays. I, I will give my wife credit for that. If, if it was Kentucky playing at a certain time, we would probably work around that portion of the schedule. But I'm sorry, bro. If if you got kids and and you gotta go, you just gotta go to the pumpkin patch. You gotta do it. Well, me. I mean, this is a bad week for it. You got Alabama at Tennessee, USC at no, Utah, yeah. Penn State no, at Michigan, yeah. Vanderbilt at Georgia. <laughs> I'm noting you on I'm that last you. one, but there are some good games. Um, is there a compromise you can make where maybe you go like 11 a.m. Yes, noon. Yes, so I, you, see, I you only miss yes. the early game. Yeah, like 11 to, to 2, you get back for the second half of the early games, and and, and you're still okay. Because, yeah, you miss the first half, but at least you get the exciting part of the set. Three hours at the pumpkin patch. You get the hay right in. You drink a little cider. You let the kids pick a pumpkin. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, three as long as you're home by 3.30 for Alabama, Tennessee, I feel like that you, you'll have a fine day still. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's plans that have already been made, and you're meeting other people in the middle of the day. Now, that would suck. If you're there from like 3 to 6, yeah, that stinks. But... 
I, I would say try to compromise and make yes, sure you're going yes. to the early part of the day. Kids, yeah, kids got to get to bed anyway. Yeah, good call. Yeah. All right. Does Skinny have any amusing stories involving flatulence? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> as we've talked about, I'm, I'm, I try to keep that in as much as possible in public. Well, maybe not yourself. Do you have any other good fart stories? Well, you have a good uh, airplane story the one time. Well, yeah, the, the, the smell the one time on the airplane. I'm, it's like all of a sudden dude's just dropping bombs around me. I'm like, dude, honestly, get up and go. I don't care what, what, what you got to do, but we're all dying here, chief. I think we've had this conversation before, but uh, where, in your opinion, has the best fart acoustics? I think I've got the correct metal, answer. Sitting on a metal chair. That so that's pretty good, but I will trump you with the old church pews, wooden church pews, like in a good I, Catholic church. I'll be I'll be quite frank about this, dude. I I don't think I could I could take myself to to let one fly in church. Well, here's here's how I know because if you go to a Catholic grade school, or at least if you went to mine, St. Pius back in the day, you had to go to something once a week called liturgical music. Oh, sure. Sure. Where you just learn church songs. It's really just a reason for the teachers to go to the lounge and I guess drink or gamble or whatever they do in there. And uh, one, one teacher to give out detentions to everyone because no kids are just going to sit appropriately and sing church songs for an hour. And, but so what you get a lot is like someone hiking up a leg and just letting up that reverberates perfectly because you got a little cheek smack on the wood going and then you've got the high vaulted ceilings to let the sound really fill the room it's i mean honestly it's like being taken over by the holy spirit i have to say i felt more taken by a spirit by kids farting during liturgical music than i ever did praying so that's awesome yeah uh that might be all we have i'm scrolling through twitter because i i asked this question late oh one last sports question here that I can sure. ask you. If you could eliminate all injuries from one athlete's career, who would it be? See, these weren't all injuries. It was just one specific injury, the Bo Jackson one. I would love to have seen how things would have turned out with him. Yeah, that's a good one. Yao Ming would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Like he I was just, a, he had a chance to be an all time great center and couldn't get couldn't stay healthy he had, after a certain point. But that body type, though, just feels like it lends itself to that, right? Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, if, if we can say, I'm going to make one guy invisible, oh, sure. it'd be cool to see sure. the 7-5 guy be invisible because I don't know that anyone would have been able to stop him. On the local front, I'll, I'll give you two. One that I still don't know if his career had been any good or not. Kajana Carter with the knee was never the same, but I don't know if he ever was going to be great. I don't. But all the litany of injuries of, of Eric Davis. Oh, yeah. I mean, he still had a great career, but he what did. could have been, right? What could have been. I mean, he was so uber talented. It was ridiculous. Especially with his career numbers, had he been healthy right. that whole time. Right, right. That's he, a good question. I, 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 we're probably missing an obvious one, I, and I can't think of what the obvious one would be. I mean, Bo Jackson, to me, I, I mean, it ruined two two sports for the guy. Yeah, that Bo Jackson is a really good one. I'm trying to think if there's any – local local ones that would be i mean a, a lot of uc fans are are going to point to kenyon martin but obviously sure. over overcame that and had a great overcame career it number one draft pick. yeah right yeah exactly. yeah uh yeah, so that, it, sucked in, it sucked in the moment for uc and uc fans for sure and for him obviously yeah yeah i don't i don't know i think that's the the best i can do off the top of the head bo jackson well, was, is a I, really good call i would say this to the asker of that question if you've got one i'd love to hear it because i'm, I'm going to stick with bo jackson but on the local front like i said i think i'll go to eric davis 
And maybe like, maybe some some people may go to Ken Griffey Jr., but I, I mean, at that stage of his career, I mean, I guess we are doing away with the injuries. That would have been a good one, too. That'd be a great one. Yeah, Ken Griffey Jr., especially from a local perspective for what it would have meant for the franchise. Yeah, yeah. Would have, I mean, if they would have had prime Ken Griffey Jr. for all those years, definitely would have made those years feel a little bit differently, even if they weren't doing as much winning as we would have liked. Right, right. All right, that's all I got. All right, great stuff. Thanks for the questions, as always. We will be back uh, Sunday evening into Monday morning with our Bengals postgame podcast and back with this podcast one week from today. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly point three edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.